Nation. Peace and greetings. Peace and greetings, everyone. I'm the Integrative School Psychologist, and you are now tuned into 180. I give thanks today that I am still sitting here in this seat trying to get through this. This is, this is, I, I knew this was going to be a problem. I didn't know it was going to be this much of a problem, but it, it's become a thing. So I've been sitting here trying to re-record this uh, since about 8 o'clock this morning. All kinds of technical difficulties. I can't even blame it on the computer or any type of um, thing except for me. I can't blame it on that. This mic is so darn good um, that it picks up every single sound, like every single breath that I take and picking up cups, putting them down, drinking. I'm sure that you just heard me swallowing water. Um, it is a very good mic. I don't appreciate that right now uh, because of in this space, it's not a good mic. Um, so I'm going to work around it today. I'm going to push through because like I said, I started at eight o'clock this morning. It's almost three o'clock. Now granted, I, I, I did do a couple of things in between time. I had a meeting here and, um, a meeting there and, um, I took my kids out for ice cream. So I have done other things just to kind of break up, um, all the frustration that was going on inside of me. Hopefully this is the last time that I do this. And I've said that on a couple of other ones before that have been deleted, but nevertheless, here I am. Head back to the first episode so you can kind of get a sense of who I am, what gives me the authority to speak, and what I'm speaking about. But the title, the extended title, will give you a clue about what we're talking about. Um, and the concept today for this show is perception. It's perception. So we are, we're going to continue with perception today. I started that in episode one. Um, oh, click on the links below. I have one link that will get you in touch with me. But the more important one for this show is um, the jot form link. There you can ask questions and I will be responding to um, your questions uh, on air. Can't say live, but on air. So let's talk about perception today. So I defined perception for you last week, and I'm pretty sure that most of you have a sense of what perception is. Perception refers to the way uh, sensory information is organized and interpreted uh, and experienced by the human, the human being. If you wanted to use an analogy, think of a computer. The process of perception would be represented by the computer's hardware, so that would be its innate processing, and then it would also be supported by software, which is a processing that can be altered, it can be changed, it can be modified. So all of these messages are being sent through the central nervous system. Now, if you have taken Western psychology at any point in your life, high school, college, grad school, if you majored in, in you know, psychology, or if even if you didn't, if you have picked up a Psychology 101 book, not a self-help book, but a, a Psychology 101 book, you have probably learned that perception and illusion kind of go together. And that's usually introduced to people through uh, the concept of visual processing. Of course, we have four other senses that inform us of what's going on, what is everything about, but we're gonna focus on visual perception right now. And the reason why is because even though 
you know, we're all different types of learners. People who um, are kinesthetic learners, there's people who um, learn best through music, sound, rhythm, and we can learn through other avenues, but some, some of us have our preferences. If we're able to see something, then it gives us a better idea of how to do it. It gives us a better uh, idea of what it's comprised of. Visual information really supports um, the overall picture, uh, interpreted picture of what life is. If I were on the phone with a friend and I asked the friend, are you mad at me? And if they said over the phone, no, I'm not mad at you. Okay. Now I have to kind of interpret that uh, the way that I can based on all kinds of information. What I know about her, what I know about our relationship, how I think about myself. Um, there's a lot of things that I'm dealing with in order to process the response. It may not be a long process. It could be a very quick process, but I have to go through a process in order to determine, hey, was she telling the truth or not? Should I? But if I asked a friend who was sitting with me in this room, if I asked them, are you mad at me? I could take the answer for what it is. It's the same answer that she's still gonna give me. No, I'm not mad at you. But, but I could look at visual clues to give me a better picture of if it's the truth or not. So if I ask, are you mad at me? And she's like, no, I'm not mad at you. That face could say, yes, I'm mad at you. You should know that I'm mad at you. It also could say none of what I just thought because that's my perception of, of the person's faces. Um, but it does inform us in a way that no other sense can. Oh, of course, granted, if you are visually impaired, um, then you wouldn't get the same benefit. Some people with visual impairments don't have the total blindness, so they can see, um, but they have to use that information um, in a way that we would not be able to. I mean, they have to be able to adjust or based on their level of sight. As I said, um, visual perception is usually taught in basic psychology classes. So a couple of different examples to show you for how people's perceptions are different. And you may have seen this classic picture with the black candlestick in the middle and then you have the two faces, two uh, white faces on the sides. Or maybe I had that the wrong way, maybe it's the white candlestick. No, I think it's the black candlestick. So some people can look at that picture and automatically see, okay, I see the candlestick, you know? And then there might be other people same level of education, whatever, uh, might see the two faces. And they may not see the candlestick. I don't see a candlestick. Like, I see two faces, you know. And then there are some people who can see both, who quickly see both. All right, and so that is usually a type of an example that's used to show you that your eyes don't always tell you everything that's there. Visual perception begins when light hits the retina in your eye. When the light hits the retina, it's an electrical signal that's sent to the cerebral cortex of your brain. Um, light plays a big part with sight. I don't want you to lose that. Light plays a big part with sight. Now we know this, right? If I was walking down a hallway with no flashlight and the lights were off, um, I would have a pretty hard time navigating. What would I do? I would depend on my other senses, okay? as my feet are hitting the ground, I'd be able to pick up some sounds of whether I'm 
you know, close to a certain area? Am I, am I in a narrow area? The interpretation of the echoes that I hear. Um, and then also, you know, most people do this. If they, if they can't see, they do this anyway. And I think that's a, um, that is just a response. A response that happens to the body. Okay, well, that's shut down. So let me figure out what to do. And people use their hands to kind of feel through. Even if they're not touching something in particular, they feel through. All right, and I'm kind of weird in that I just close my eyes. Whatever, I can't use them, so why have them open? Let's have a conversation about the eye that you don't see. We don't have just two eyes. We have a third eye, and many people call that the third eye. I call it the first eye. Um, it's also referred to as the mind's eye, uh, as well as the eye of Haru. It is located in the brain. It is called the pineal gland. You do some searching right now, and I don't advocate for Google. You do a search now on a picture of the pineal gland, pull up a picture of the eye of Haru, you will see striking similarities. Um, and that's because our comedic ancestors were very intelligent people. This eye that you have in your brain is your all-seeing eye. And I'll get more into the Haru concept, because Haru is a concept, just like all the other quote-unquote gods and goddesses. We're going to talk about that because I need you to be informed of, like, about what, what it really is. I, I hear so many people, when they understand that Christianity is uh, another form of slavery that has just not been abolished, um, they start diving into quote-unquote Egyptian, so comedic study, and they find it hard to understand what it is that uh, our ancestors were talking about. Um, and then your first kind of hang up is this religion is uh, worships more than one God. Well, that's not true. I plan to get to that. that that's going to be coming up pretty soon. Uh, I'm just going to teach it just how I teach the kids. All right. And if they can understand it, then you can too. You are coming with an open mind because you are here. And so that'll be a little bit easier for you to be able to stomach. I'll talk more about these these concepts like Haru and Ma'at and um, Asar. They're, they're all coming. You have to have a foundation. Just like this show, I have to go in order for you to understand spiritual concepts that we are missing as a collective. And once the collective you know, gets that power back, we can move. So Haru is the energy that represents the present or the lights. There is an opposing energy um, that represents the darkness and the past. Haru was raised knowing that he was um, going to take the throne. It was just his destiny. Let's go back to the example of me being in the hallway. I have a flashlight in my hand, it's not on. In order for light to be seen, there has to be darkness. And then once that light comes, it cancels out the darkness. The story of Haru is deep on so many levels, but the light pushes the darkness off the throne. The eye of Haru is our will, our eye of will, this powerful force that is able to drive out darkness. Let's go back to our material eyes, all right? The things that we see are typically the things that we begin to cast judgment upon. An example, you will often hear people saying, I'll believe it when I see it, or seeing is believing. People are not able to perceive reality outside of their ideological framework. If you have already built something, you're pretty set, you have your boundaries already up 
you know, your walls up. It's going to be hard for someone to tell you something and for you to believe it. If, if you have learned that there's no such thing as monsters, there cannot be monsters. I can't tell you, I just saw a monster down the street. You can't really stretch those boundaries unless you have authorized it. If I have authorized my mind, it's like, okay, well, let me kind of think about that. The person stretches their boundaries, then they're able to maybe, maybe fit that in, maybe. Stretching your boundaries is like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll consider it. Once someone has the boundaries where they lay, um, it's really difficult for them to change it. The statement that I said before, um, when I believe it when I see it, is it really should be, uh, I'll see it when I believe it. I'll see it when I believe it. That's why the word belief is, it can be so dangerous. Man. More intelligence is, is exercise when you are not dependent on um, physical reality, reality out of what you see physically right in front of you. There are forces that you can't see. Uh, the work of others, good, bad, or ugly, they, those are forces that you can't see. I'm trying to get an example of somebody that is neutral enough. I don't want to start any political argument. Donald Trump was going to come out of my mouth. I'm glad that people are not talking about it. I'm tired of that. I can't think about what Kanye West is thinking about right now. I can't, I can't channel the energy that he's working off of. But the energy that he's working off of is a contribution to the forces that are going on around us because we are all interconnected, but we'll get to that. So you're probably taught about social perception just by living your daily life. Social perception is the part of perception that people organize and interpret the groups that they see or that they experience in the world. That's a part of our social cognition. So in order to demonstrate this, I wanna talk about the critical race theory um really quickly because i've noticed in the past three weeks or maybe the past month uh the critical race theory has been a hot topic on social media um i've seen clips of parents at school board meetings you know memes of do you know what they're doing and taking out of the school you know, i've seen a lot of that so i thought it would be worth kind of tying into um, the concept we're speaking about today. I, I don't think that enough people understand what it is, but you may have some confusion as to um, critical race theory and education. I want to first give you a general explanation of the critical race theory. The critical race theory was developed in, 1970, in the 1970s uh, by Derrick Bell um, and a gang of other folks, well not a gang of other folks. The critical race theory basically explains that racism is permanent. Racism is permanent and we should act like we should move through the world as if it is permanent because that is a fact. It's really a methodology that recognizes how systematic racism has affected the U.S. laws or shaped American history that was, um, you know, post um, desegregation. Actually, um, it came as a result of desegregation. What we call uh, microaggressions, there was subtle racism, everyday racism that came a product of desegregation. How it impacts uh, the schools, how it really impacts the school. Teachers then make an effort. Critical race theory has been misrepresented 
even Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw, one of the uh, developers of the theory, even she came out and said, look, this is being used as a political tool. It's not even taught in K through 12 like that. It doesn't, it's not taught through a curriculum. It's intended to affect their curriculum. And it really hasn't, they haven't really done a great job anyway of affecting the curriculum. We're still asking for um, many of the same things that we've been asking for. Yeah, we've been asking for certain things for so long. Um, I don't know what the uproar is about. But I do understand for those of you who have children who are still in public school, it's not what you think it is. So the major point of what you're saying now is that the government is really placing limitations on lessons about race and inequality, um, but in their schools. Those are their schools. All right. Um, we're going to talk about homeschooling. We're going to talk about community schooling. Um, but I think that one of the biggest hangups that people have, or I will call it an excuse, I, I will call it an excuse, uh, that people have about pulling their child from public school um, is that they pay taxes for them to go to that school. But it's still not your school. It is still not your school, and we know who the government is. I'm, I'm really surprised at the amount of people who are sending their kids back because we have all had to take a step back for the past year and some change. Um, as you take a step back, you are able to look at certain things a certain way and understand what it is, you know, what it is for, you know, what it is. I don't know if I close the thought about the schooling, but we'll, we'll get to types of schooling later as that's part of the revolutionary code. But um, yeah, that that is a big excuse that I hear is that, you know, I pay for the kids to go to the school, they're gonna go to the school. But what's more important though, Money that you don't even really know how much, you don't really even know how much you're even paying. Your money or your child's future, your child's mind, your child's sanity, your child's psychological health as an African person living in this foreign place. We, we are in a foreign place. And think about culture, culturally foreign, spiritually foreign. We are, we have had to develop in a very opposing place, okay? A place that is not for us. Um, development is highly affected by your environment. Anywho, I digress. So um, this is a great place to transition uh, to illusion. Well, how did we get to this point where we have to be so guarded about the education that's provided for our children? How did we get to this point? Well, I can tell you this. From the end of slavery and, and um emancipation until Brown versus Board of Education. The intellectual stimulation and development of Africans in America was, get this, provided by African people. What was it that um, kind of put a wrench in that? Brown versus Board of Education. It was the concept of uh, integration. And after integration happened, you know, you have administration that was fired in these schools that were black for black children lost a whole bunch of teachers black schools closed we were forced to adapt we're forced to adapt there are circumstances which are dangerous for you to adapt to and continue living through one of the most dangerous is education why because education lays a foundation lays a foundation of who you are. 
human development and education, that of course there's a strong correlation, but I would almost say that they are synonymous. We see the failures of integration and desegregation to this day. Talk to me all you want to. It'll just show your ignorance, but you can talk to me all you want to about, well, my kids, they go to a good school. Well, what do people usually mean when they say a good school? So we have um, kind of moved through this illusion as if something beautiful was supposed to happen as a result of this. As if something beautiful was supposed to happen to us. Because the beautiful thing that, that some folks were looking for was that white people would now accept me as an equal, accept me. Did that happen? No. The more far further away we get from Africa or African um, to just kind of navigating through this uh, illusion, the wider we try to be, um, the more trouble we're getting into. There are a lot of things going on. I, well, there's a lot of things going on. I could talk about this for days and days. This is not the platform. I know I'm going to stick to just education. But, man, I'm telling you, we have a long way to go. But we can do it. We can We can do this. Um, let's get back to illusion. So let's, well, let's start with illusion now. So I mentioned that Brown versus Board of Education um, was kind of like a veil. It made us see what we wanted to see. It uh, gave us a, a sense of hope. But what were we really hoping for? Were we hoping for a social resolution or were we really hoping for our children to actually be educated? We've kind of sacrificed, um, what we sacrificed is our intellectual development and cultural development and spiritual development um, for this dream, for this dream of being an equal. We really, should, really shouldn't be thinking about it as wanting to be equal. We're not equal. No, we're not equal. We're different. We are different. Uh, so I was saying, <laughs> I was saying earlier that you know your perception can be altered, and I uh, I mentioned that it can be changed by you. I mentioned that it can be changed by something or someone else, and that happens every day. Let's talk about illusionists, illusionists or uh, quote unquote magicians. Did you know that the first magicians they were students of psychology? They were students of psychology, um, and they were really studying um, how to manipulate perception. People have a problem with the word manipulation because it's always used in a negative fashion. Actually, everyone has the ability to manipulate things, ideas, people, um, thoughts. To manipulate someone's thoughts, you have to give them a different picture. You have to give them the incomplete picture. Can we just agree that we are manipulated every single day um, by a lot of things? How could you trick me like that? Manipulation of the mind or our thoughts. Um, this can be a manifestation of our own sickness. Most of the time, it's brought about by some other force. And I'll assign a general name for that force um, as mainstream, okay? Mainstream psychology, mainstream education, mainstream media, mainstream ideology. Um, that's where the illusion comes in. It's in the mainstream. 
you know, magicians have dazzled people for centuries now. When I say magicians, I'm not just talking about illusionists. I'm talking about straight up magicians. Psychology is a is a form of magic. Um, those are closely related. But what illusions do? They veil the effectiveness of truth. What do those veils of illusion look like uh, specifically in education? Integration, multiculturalism, multicultural curriculums, good school, bad school, college prep, special education, that push for black history in schools. I would say that those are the ones that mostly impact our kids. We confuse uh, equality and even equity. What we're looking for is sameness. And we've all been conditioned, um, even our white counterparts, we've all been conditioned to perceive the word different as an automatic uh, representation of being inferior. And then we go off and we get triggered and all that kind of stuff. And anything that anybody says about how we're somehow different from our quote unquote enemy, we get all up in arms. So we have to deal with the fact that we are different. You know, there's really nothing that they have that we should want, but it's something that we need. There is something that we need in order to get that. And that is power. And we'll talk about power because power starts inside and, um, Collectively, power can really change the course of history, as it did. They gained power and they changed the course of history. Now, um, the melanated bourgeoisie Negro, if you don't know what that is, I want you to check out the Revolutionary Code uh, with Brother Tamani and Brother Craig. We have a group of melanated bourgeoisie Negro so-called academics and scholars. Such people would fit in this category would be like um, Cornel West and Henry Louis Gates and um, Ta-Nehisi Coates, all of those people that I named and more um, would still argue and they even move in a space that would suggest that integration is the best that we could possibly do. We can still get some type of benefit from um, you know, existing in this educational structure of the so-called dominant race, take what we can and leave the rest. Hmm. All right. And instead of pushing for us to rebuild our own school, notice I said rebuild, rebuild our own schools, train our own teachers, um, instruct via our own philosophy. We have the melanated bourgeoisie Negro, so-called leadership. They have long sought out to get us uh, to accept the status quo, even build upon it. Listen to what is happening. If we build something for ourselves, we will naturally destroy the spirit of what is. So we don't even have to physically destroy anything. We don't have to add no complication. The only complication is that, that we're adding is that we are not a part of what you all are doing. We're like, we're good. Building and destroying really comes hand in hand. You can't build unless you destroy. And I want you to think of this very intelligently. I'm not talking about physically destroying. You can write yourself out of that, that movie that's, that's playing out there and you can create your own movie, which is, you know, what I advocate for you to do. Anyway, those people, those, those melanated bourgeoisie Negro leadership, they are called assimilationists. They accept 
consciously or unconsciously, the idea that white supremacist, capitalistic rule will never end. Racism will never end, but I do believe that the white supremacist, capitalistic rule will end for me. We're conditioned to, to accept this sickness as a normality. We're conditioned to follow these these pathological people down to the, their road to destruction. It, it's too much. We're grasping at straws. It is a disservice to our children if we continue to let the, the, this occur. I certainly did not bring these little people into the world uh, just for them to just kind of feel their way through. That would be crazy. Um, one thing I want to say, and I, and I think that I'm going to end it there for today. I want to talk about truth really quickly. Because where there is illusion, there is some truth that is being hidden. Think of truth, because it is, as a soul of a force. Okay? If you think about your soul, it is the purest part of you. So truth is the purest part of a force. A soul can be evil or benevolent. I'll discuss truth next. Yeah, we're going to do the truth of the educational system in the United States. Because um, you've learned or experienced the truth about the justice system because you can see that play out. You can see that play out with um, education too, but it doesn't get people all passionate and, and up in arms. I never understood that. I don't understand it. Think about the intellectual injustice of your children. I know some people may think it's not that serious. They'll still learn stuff. But what's the stuff that they're learning? That's not education. It really grinds my gears. That's not education, that is training, that is conditioning, that is not education, okay? Education informs your whole development. It makes you a whole person. We're not whole people. We're not whole people. We don't even like ourselves. We don't like each other. Like, that's not education. But anyway. Is your perception of education or the educational system, is it informed? How informed is it? Um, and so you'll get to evaluate that as we talk about the concept of truth. Um, yeah, I think that will end there. So, oh, I finally got through. Man, I'm telling you, I've been sitting, oh my. I will see you <laughs> next time on episode three. If you want to ask a question, please click on the link below. If you want to get in contact with me, your first consultation is free. Connect down below. We have the link there for Black Gold Nation. Check us out, see what we're doing. I'll see you next time. Know that you're loved.